Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Gamers In. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Hello. Ryan. Hey, how's it going? It's been a whole week. We're back, and uh, we got some familiar stuff to talk about, which is exciting. We do, and I was thinking about this week, like, when you were talking to me and asking what I was going to be playing, and I was like, well, I'm going to keep playing Odyssey, but I don't really want to talk about it again until I've kind of seen the maybe not the full game but at least gotten a real good idea about what all the mechanics are the different zones and things like that so i was like you know i don't want to talk about odyssey this week Mm -hmm. but everything else we're going to talk about this week is stuff that we have already played but i did get more time into gathering storm as i know you did too and Mm -hmm. i am assuming you got some more time in anthem so probably give some final thoughts on those two games i think because um the only other stuff that came out i think uh division came out or division two came out right Yeah, if you bought the expensive versions, it came out on Tuesday, but it's actually out tomorrow for us normal Uh, folks who don't have... I was going to say, so is that something that you're interested in that you're going to be picking up? Yes, so it's a funny... It's it's part of the conversation tonight with Anthem in that when Anthem had a shelf life for for Matt, we were playing Anthem together and he got the EA Access Premiere and that runs out... Uh, a lot of people's subscriptions will run out on the 15th uh, or around the 15th, which is the launch date for Division 2. So he's picking up, up that and I figured, oh, well, I'll continue the co-op adventure. And uh, yeah, I'm going to check out Division 2. It's, I don't know, the first one kind of wa- didn't didn't uh, do it for me, but played the beta yeah, for the, the first second one. one and- the first one fell pretty flat for me. It just, I, I just didn't like it very much. So mm. it's a pretty generic I, like, shooter type thing. Yeah, there was, there was no real reason for me not to like it. It didn't do anything necessarily wrong. I just, it didn't grab me. It wasn't that interesting. I thought so. I haven't really paid too much attention to Division Two, but I'm glad you're gonna at least uh, take a look at it. And I'm sure, like, so if you got early access to Division Two by pre-ordering the big, you know, deluxe super mega ultra edition whatever it's called um then are you gonna have the same problems as anthem where like you miss out you play a broken game and miss out on a day one patch and everything else uh no actually funny enough i've been hearing pretty good things early on about division two uh which is kind of the worst thing that could be going for anthem i mean ubisoft's (laughs) kind of got this thing down you know like making large immense games across multiple studios is their bread and butter and even when the division launched like it wasn't broken but it was in a in a, in a phase where it was like kind of uninteresting there was there was like little things kind of wrong with it but it was they were all stacking against it the only thing it had going for it was was in a day and age when it launched that it was it was surrounded by very minimal competition but now nowadays you're competing with uh, destiny 2 warframe you know, a bunch of the, not to mention all the battle royales like that have launched since the division. So it's, it's a, it's a little different playing field, but yeah, the worst thing for Anthem was division two launching and, and it being a complete and finished product. Um, <laughs> I haven't got my hands well, on it yet, but we'll see. I was going to say, should we just jump into Anthem then before we start talking about civilization since we've brought it up already? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I don't have a ton to say. I'm not going to sit here and nitpick further. I think a lot of folks who listen to video game podcasts have had their fill of Anthem. Uh, and there's really mm-hmm. not a whole lot to say outside of, I think, most people who have checked out of the game probably haven't heard the stories that, that we'll talk about tonight one of those is that it's a it's a looter shooter, right? Big 
the biggest thing about a looter shooter is the loot and the Mm -hmm. shooting anthem great shooting great combat we've talked about that before but the loot bit of an issue uh after last week's gamers in i went and played matt and i played and it was i think it was a friday night and we were he he was getting masterworks which are the like high level highest gear you can get and they he had two of them drop which was significant because in the amount of time we've played together like we've never had anything i've never seen anything above a rare i know he's gotten a few legendaries but really not a lot of high quality loot dropping which is an issue people okay so this is like this is the tier above like legendary yeah so you've got common uh uh, sorry i get common uncommon rare legendary and then i think it goes to masterwork i don't think there's like a a, like an epic or something in between okay masterwork's kind of like the best you can get but there's five levels and this was the top Level. yeah top level gear dropped for him and that's pretty significant because it's just never happened before as we've been playing for the last you know three weeks and i you know he was we were over the moon oh that's so great loot's dropping the next day i go on reddit and we were expecting a big patch to drop on on the saturday just this past saturday turns out the loot that was dropping for us on friday was a bug and they yeah. said hey guys we fixed it we addressed the loot bug and really what happened was the bug was that loot was dropping and then they fixed it and brought loot back down to where they they felt it needed to be which was not dropping so mm-hmm. you know it's it was one of those crushing moments where you feel like a game is kind of starting to you know starting to be fun starting to get there and then all of a sudden they're like oh whoops that fun was a bug yeah a bug not a feature and that was really deflating and we kind of you know we we thought about it and and it was just like well that's that's real lame and and since the last week we've been playing no masterworks have dropped so uh which is unfortunate but you know i wanted to finish the main story i wanted to get my 30 hours in it i think now i'm at like 25 and i had finished sort of the main story so the the main story you're trying to quell what is called the heart the heart of rage the rage of the heart of the rage Anyways, it's like this big storm or something, and you have to quiet it by like silencing these art of it's really it's bioware gobbledygook, it's not really that okay. important. <laughs> but it's essentially it's a stronghold, right? It's a dungeon. Um but before I go in, you know how open world games have that like, you know, before you enter, this is the final mission, you're not gonna be right, able to yeah. come back. Yep. So that pops up. Now before that, uh you know it's heading that way so you're you're getting that preparation and two of the main characters are like hey go do a mission come back and then we'll be ready for the final mission and i thought like oh this is obviously the area where i can uh wait it out go do some missions and then prompt the final mission when i'm ready because i was waiting to do the final mission co-op and i was trying to clean some other missions up so then the final mission you know comes up and these two characters are literally standing in front of my mech so I can't launch another mission. It the, the the game was locking me in to the final mission, whether I liked it or not. I could do anything <laughs> else. Um, so it's just another clear example of this game. Like, did they play test this far? Because I would have flagged that as an issue in the sense that this is a co-op game. I'm waiting to play the final mission with my friend. I can't literally do anything else but talk to people and I've already done all that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just sitting there like, how am I going to 
I, I'm gonna. I had to literally stop playing. You know, I had to. Which yeah is never something that you should have your players do. Is be like, well, I can't actually play my character right now because I'm locked and waiting for a friend. So I have mm-hmm. to not play your game for the next X number of days until our play session time on Friday. Like, yeah, that seems not ideal. Yeah, it's. Um... Little th- like it's stuff like that again. You know, uh, a lot of people in Discord had said like, "Man, listening to Ryan describe this game makes me glad I skipped it." And like, yeah, this is definitely a skippable game. One that would be worth looking at once there's like a deep, you know, a deep sale or waiting for a huge content drop because there are only three dungeons in it, and the one dungeon is kind of a re. I haven't done it yet, but it's a remodeling of the final mission. Um, so essentially by the end of the game you've you've experienced all the content and from what i've seen the end game legendary contract is 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 another one of these like achievement checklists like do 25 strongholds which are dungeons uh run 25 events in free play so it's basically flying around and and you know going to uh, icons on the on the map so it's a you know it's just it feels like a game that could have benefited from another six months. Mm. And I think that will be clearly shown in six months when they've added a bunch more to the game. Everything that probably should have been there to start with. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the game ends and like the story, the, the story that they're telling is interesting and the way they end it kind of like leaves a larger opening for, for a game as a service in the sense that they are adding story content from for the foreseeable future that they've planned for so the their roadmap clearly shows like new acts that they're adding and they set those acts up at the end of the game and and i thought what they set it up with was really interesting because it actually addressed a couple of issues i had uh with the game in the sense that there weren't a lot of characters there weren't a lot of enemy types you know so they they kind of allude that they're addressing that um, I just probably would have been better to see it launch with that content as opposed to, I mean, we don't even know when it's coming, you know, like it's already mid-March. They haven't added anything and the game's, mm-hmm. game's been out for a month. Uh, but then I don't know what I expected. Honestly, I'm not, <laughs> not disappointed because I honestly didn't expect a whole lot from the game. So I kind of, I kind of did enjoy my time with it, but for those folks who are really looking forward to it and expecting like this you know grand destiny challenger it's it is not that it's it's a solid combat game with some weird design choices uh, <laughs> but until they add more i think we'll i'll i'll definitely shelve it uh for yeah. the time being i see well that's kind of too bad but mm-hmm. is what it is I, I guess thanks for making it so that i don't have to play it <laughs> no yeah you definitely don't have to play it i i think that uh you're safe on that one awesome well, what I have been playing a ton of, and I know uh, you got some time in this as well, again, is the new uh, Civ Six Gathering Storm. So this is the DLC, again, for Civilization Six. This is the most recent one. There was uh, Rise and Fall came out a little while ago, but mm-hmm. uh, this is the most recent one. Uh, what did you think? Did you get more time in with the Canadians? Did you finally build hockey rinks and stuff? I built one hockey rink uh, on the coast uh, in Winnipeg. So I, I kind of like... It's weird with with civilization. Why is Winnipeg on the coast? <laughs> I don't know why. Like it's you know you usually play as a as a as a civilization. Like I might not be super familiar with, but now they've added Canada, and I know that Windsor <laughs> isn't north of uh, 
of or actually like where is windsor windsor's south of ottawa is it not I, now i don't know yes that was a bad example very very far windsor's like the most south city <laughs> yeah 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 so so windsor's south or north of uh, ottawa on my game and then winnipeg's on the on the eastern coast and uh but it, it does have a hockey rink which is nice uh i did unlock the hockey rink and i don't know what i expected but it is a hockey rink it, it doesn't really do a whole lot <laughs> but i well, guess that's I think the whole it, thing um it gives you a boost to, I think, amenities and tourism or something, mm-hmm. right? So you just, um, I feel like more so in Gathering Storm than previous Civ expansions, I really realize how um, different the wind conditions are, potentially. I mean, before it seemed very much like build up a military because people will attack you, mm-hmm. but... I created a new game again, so I didn't finish my Canada game. I made another game because I wanted to try a different civilization. And so I'm actually playing as the Maori, Hmm. which are native to New Zealand. And they start in the most unique way that I've ever seen a civilization start. They literally start in the middle of the ocean. You don't start on a landmass. You just have um, a couple of boats and you sail around until you find something. And then you're, so you're like super nomadic, but then you automatically gain a builder and a settler, I think on top of like your normal settler for starting your uh, civilization. So it's like, once you find a place to be, then you can expand fairly quickly, but you have to, you have to like find a continent first or find an Island first. So it's a really unique starting scenario, which is kind of why I picked them, because I'm like, the mistake I talked about this last week that I made with the Canadians is that all of their real new stuff outside of, you know, being able to make more use out of Tundra tiles mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's it's hockey rink stuff. It's conservation. It's like way late game. Mm-hmm. But um, outside of the fact that <coughs> people can't attack you. So that was that was a kind of a nice bonus or not that they can't attack you. If you're they a can't big surprise jerk, war, then yeah, they can't surprise war you. So they can't just say, eh, "I don't like you." War. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, so I continued my game as Canada, and you're right. Like a lot of what you're doing that's unique is is very late game. And honestly, I would say Gathering Storm, in my experience, a lot of the additions create interesting gameplay changes late game. I haven't hit sort of the the co2 has started to build up but it's not at a point where it's causing like oceans to rise it's one of the first things they explain in the game Mm -hmm. is that you know rivers can flood that happens on occasion but it's very rare uh and then like oceans if you build here there's a chance that the ocean level could rise if if things go bad uh Mm -hmm. but that won't happen that hasn't happened i'm in 1800 ad and it hasn't happened yet to me Personally. Yeah, it happens after you start having to power your cities because then you're having to burn natural resources. Yeah, so I've I've just started to actually in the long scheme of things, I think I'm well, 1800s. I guess I'm ahead of things. Like, when do they have coal plants? See, I'm not. I loved history, but I guess like I'm missing specific dates. So yeah. <laughs> coal plants would have been what, like early, late 1800s? Yes, mid to late, I think yeah. maybe. So maybe maybe I'm getting. There. I don't know. I don't. Know. Where's a historian when you need them in yeah, playing exactly. this game? <laughs> Although they'd probably hate it because Gandhi is is uh, throwing nukes around. Um, Still, <laughs> it, it, not in this game. I, I just remember in previous games. But no, the the no surprise war for Canada is interesting because 
I've found that no one's declared war on me, but I've been pulled into wars based on allegiances. So right now I'm dealing with Norway because he picked a fight with a city-state that I'm like this, the this they call it the suzerain or whatever. Yeah, that that of you're the yeah. like their like patron civilization. Yeah, so we're yeah. we're BFFs basically, but yeah. but like we don't we don't go past that, but. It's uh, so basically they declared war on them. So I, I'm like, well, I'm Canada. I gotta go. You know, I, I usually what I would wait for the it's war kind of to, our mo. Yeah, like we get pulled in. So do we set? Do I send guys up there? And finally, after Norway's picked on three of my allies, it's like, well, I'm not much of an ally if I don't like throw some cavalry around. So kind of, I took one of his cities just as just to show him that I mean, but I'm just not hockey rinks. I could take yeah. the city too. So. <laughs> I went in and took care of that, but the Maori sound interesting in that you're like a you're a nomadic tribe. Now, is that a trait of theirs where you start in the water? That's part of the game, or yeah, was that you a start mode? in the. No, no, no. That is that is their civilization. They always start on the water, and mm. so they also automatically have uh, shipbuilding research and harbors researched. I think so. You can basically start and be a naval power from the very beginning of the game which is really really interesting so mm. it's like i got the circumnavigating the globe achievement which is like five era points or something within like the ancient era oh. <laughs> and i was like oh man that's crazy i've never done that before so uh they're really really interesting and i'm really enjoying playing them they seem to have really thought outside the box in Gathering Storm when it comes to the design of the civilizations, or maybe it's just that I'm branching out from the civilizations that I normally play, because normally I play, like, the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, the British, the Americans, um, the Celt. Who else have I played? Um, ooh, I played the Japanese once. Ooh. But, like, I... I Pretty much, like, I stay within my same group of civilizations all the time. So the design of the civilizations in Gathering Storm is making me want to branch out from the ones I normally play. So it's been a lot of fun. The one thing I will say, though, now that I've played through three different scenarios, not all the way to the end win condition, but um, at least I've played most of the way, enough for it to happen a few times anyways, I really don't like the World Council thing. No? No. Hmm. I, I, I find it to be um, kind of unnecessary. And I, I did used to like diplomatic victories. But I, <coughs> excuse me, just find that with um, with the World Council, it's like more like disruptive and feels like just a guessing game almost. Because it happens every like 30 turns or whatever and people have to come up with proposals and it's like what proposals there are like sometimes there's two or three different ones to vote on and then you have to even propose past that and be like oh I propose that I get a culture bomb if I build you know fishing boats or whatever like it Mm -hmm. just it seems really odd and i just kind of every time it pops up i'm like oh again like i just want to i just want to build my civilization i maybe i'm really missing something maybe because i haven't taken any one civilization all the way through to the modern era Mm. i'm not seeing its full potential but i really don't like it i think it's for me 
the world the world congress has popped up and uh it it's been interesting for me because I I have some so I'm playing as Canada. I'm not really like throwing my weight around. I'm kind of just like progressing, and people really haven't been touching me. I'm I'm going science route, but by mm-hmm. by the 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 fact that Canada has a strong cultural tourism side of things, that is also building up alongside. So I have that easy backup. Um, I I don't know. I'm not a big civilization person, so I don't know if I should like go in for one or like kind of branch out. Being Canada, I probably should have mainline cultural because that's I, how I've... Well, yeah. I tend to, when I'm playing, I tend to pick my win condition and then not yeah. so much branch out, but do enough of the other things so that I'm disruptive and no other civilization can claim one of the other victories before I reach my win condition. So right. I feel like religion is a really good example of that because if you're not careful like one civilization can go really hard into religion and then be sending all their little apostle missionary dudes out and then converting all your cities. And before you know it, it's like, oh, we're only at, you know, 600 AD, but everyone is following this one religion, which means that that civilization wins. And you're like, dang it. (laughs) So just like, yeah, yeah. I, I've never in the amount I've played of Civ five and Civ six, religion has never been one that I lob onto, and I don't know if it's like maybe a, a weird personal bias that's showing. I don't think that's the case, but I just don't like the mechanic. I don't like, although I think I'm missing out in Civ Six because I'm realizing you can buy units with faith. And you can, yeah, you can buy units with faith, and you can buy units with gold, obviously. But um, yeah, you can buy units and buildings with faith, and then there's also a lot of the. Um, like civics that are impacted by faith or impact faith or vice versa. And then um, it it is kind of interesting how you're just like almost always in theological combat. Hmm. Like you're not actually at war with different states. No, they're like, but it's like getting lightning bolts struck on them or but, something. It's, it's weird. But yeah. You can enter theological combat against like missionaries from other religions. Is there a way to combat those missionaries without... Because I've closed my borders sometimes, uh, but that doesn't seem to always work. Like, people still... No, that does not impact... Um, missionaries. Religion. Right. Missionaries, so yeah. are there units that... Ugh, this is going to sound terrible, but are there units to kind of, like, combat that? I mean, you'd have to completely close your borders and n- do no trade outside of your own civilizations to, to stop religion from, from leaking in, but... I've just, uh, I don't. Yeah, but even then, you can't stop the missionaries. The missionaries, no. <laughs> the missionaries will always come. <laughs> yeah. So the the way you combat that is by having missionaries of your own and founding your own religions. So which I do like. <laughs> get past the original path, pantheon, pa- pa- pantheon, pantheon. Thank you. I've never been able to get past that. I always found one, and I kind of pick one that kind of like makes sense to to where I'm based, where my civilization civilization is based. But I've never taken it past that um yeah so you have to have like holy sites like you have to build those districts you have to build mm. the temples and the churches and stuff and start to accumulate faith and then once you get a certain amount then it'll be like oh hey guess what you can make a religion now <laughs> so is there like is there a specific civilization like a like a mother Teresa civilization or something that can just do real good religion <laughs> like or is it oh kind yeah of- there's there are lots of of um civilizations who are built around their ability to 
uh, spread a religion for sure. Okay. Just like there's then just like there's militaristic civilizations and there's cultural civilizations, like you said, Canada. We've been talking about a lot over the past yeah. couple of weeks is a is a cultural and uh, tourism based civilization. Like they they all have things that they're better at and mm-hmm. worse at. Well, I mean, the reason we talk about the Canadian civilization so much, I mean, there are obvious reasons, of course, but. On this show for the last seven years, I believe we've been campaigning for a Canadian civilization. Oh uh, yeah, 100%. ever since we started playing Civ Five, I think uh, for the, sh- was it, on the it show. It was four, I think. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, I, like four. Yeah, four would have been in the last yeah, seven years. Is a long time. That's enough for for a couple of expansions and civilization games. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Faith has never been one, but you're right. Like everyone, but in my game, everyone seems to be kind of balancing each other out. Like. All my cities have different religions because nobody seems to be taking Because it. you don't have a religion of your own. That's why. <laughs> hey, it's Canada. We're multicultural. Everyone's <laughs> welcome. It's great. Uh, we have hockey rinks in Winnipeg. That's about it. <laughs> you know? But Ottawa is booming. Although Vancouver yeah. took over somehow. So the real estate in Vancouver is just... It's way too expensive. But it's booming. I don't know. <laughs> um, real world. So you're playing a real, very realistic version of... Well, Civilization Canada edition. <laughs> I'm playing Scott Johnson's version because literally Ottawa is across the street from Vancouver. But you know, um, it's uh, it's it's a really interesting game. And I, the one thing I don't like about Civ Six, and maybe there are other people that agree with me, is is the early game feels kind of slow and boring in comparison to where i'm at now in getting closer to the modern age the industrial age there's yeah there's that build-up of course like you have to you feel i feel like you have to be strategic in long steps at the beginning and then as you get further in the game you're being strategic turn by turn you know Mm -hmm. because you're in so you know finite competition with your other civilizations so i just i wonder if maybe what you and I need to do Mm -hmm. is try the scenarios because there were two new scenarios that were added in Gathering Storm and they start you with existing civilizations. So the two that were added in Gathering Storm are the Black Plague. So you have to play through the Black Plague and keep your civilization alive, basically. So you're not fighting anybody else. You're fighting the disease. And Mm. then the second one is um, a... I'm not sure if it's two player or if it's always like, I guess you can probably play it with other people or by yourself with the AI, like most other civilization things, but it's a uh, France versus Germany in the first world war. So Germany's win condition is capture Paris and France's win condition is prevent them from capturing Paris until your allies arrive. So hmm. it's uh it's really cool um, scenarios that they've built and scenarios is one thing that I've never actually done in uh, civilizations before. Normally I just, you know, create my, standard world game start from mm-hmm. the beginning and go but uh i think uh, if nothing else i'm going to give the black plague a try because i think that sounds really cool yeah no I, I haven't done many of this uh of the scenarios and that's some of the dlc they add as well they usually mm-hmm. add the civilizations and then some sort of rem- some r- relating scenarios and i kind of just i do the way i've always played civ is i'll do one I'll play one game to completion because I'm terrible at giving up on on games as uh, you know I've talked about anthem for the last couple of weeks um but- so you know you look at civilization six it's like maybe I need to give a scenario a shot so that I'm not burning myself out by going like forcing myself to go through a 
a whole mm-hmm. game. I'm having fun. It's just time ceases to exist when I play this game, and it's. We been... should try. We should see if we can play a scenario like that. We should see if we can mm-hmm. play France versus Germany. <laughs> yeah. Against each other, because that would be really fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. I, I also really. I would crush you. Probably. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I am. Yeah, I'm bad at this game. Uh, I think I win sometimes just because. I get real lucky. Like I'm, I'm winning <laughs> right now in my in a couple of fields, but it's only because I, I really truly believe that maybe the game is letting me win. Because I, I don't know. What like I'm, difficulty do you play on? Just uh, out of curiosity. I think it's Prince. So the the okay. standard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's maybe, good. Maybe it's because people can't declare war on me. I'm, I'm, they're going a little. That makes on me. it a lot. Um, well, it, not easier, but it is. It is a nice thing to have that, like you know, unless a civilization is really mad at you, and to get mad at you, they have to have a reason. They can't just say, "Oh, I don't like the look of you." It's like um, you have to literally like ally yourself with their enemies or something to make them upset with you, mm-hmm. and that's a real nice kind of cushion against somebody else getting a military victory right because mm. <laughs> you can just be like haha you can't get mad at me <laughs> yeah and it kind of makes sense and maybe not I mean, it kind of make i guess it kind of makes sense for like the late game but early game it, you know it makes sense for fe- people to kind of just be like i don't know like you're in my way we're going to war <laughs> you know yeah but nowadays yeah. and that's why i kind of wanted to see more of the world you know the world uh is it world congress World Congress is yeah. yeah the new thing that they added. So it used to be that you would research and unlock the UN, mm. and then you would do stuff in the late game around like things like nuclear policy and and things like that. And it was um, I thought the UN was interesting and fine, <laughs> and like I didn't think it needed any updating. But then they basically took the idea of the UN and then inserted it in the game right from the very start, almost. And I don't know, I just, I, I don't think it actually, it doesn't happen in the ancient era. I think it happens in the classical era if there's an emergency. And then after that, it happens every 30 turns or something. Yeah. And, you know, the emergency stuff's popped up a couple times. I've been able to sway some, you know, proposals in my favor. I've had people try to sway proposals against me. So that's where like this the diplomatic points comes in. It's it's a new like a new currency that you can gain. I don't know how I accumulate it. Everything's accumulating throughout the game. So many graphs and things to keep track of, but every time a World Congress pops up about about 300 of them to spend <laughs> and people keep trying to trade them. So it's uh Yeah, it but I've been hoarding them. Mm. <laughs> people keep trying to trade for them with me as well and I'm like, "Nope." If you want any of my diplomat points, you're not going to get them. I don't care what you're offering me. No tradesies. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is interesting sometimes when stuff comes up, but I've only had one emergency pop up and it was because Cleopatra was, you know, bothering some city states. And then mm. it said I wasn't a part of it, but it still gave me the prompt when it failed. And I'm like, well, don't come at me for it failing if you didn't even let me like participate for some reason. Yeah, and that's the and maybe I just haven't played it enough. Maybe I just don't understand it. But I've had that happen too, where it's like, oh, you're part of an emergency and you failed, and I was like, what? I was yeah. definitely not part of that. I didn't even get the pop up for the Congress, but somehow because I wasn't the one that it was, you know, against then therefore I automatically joined. I like I don't know. It was weird. I don't like it personally. Yeah. Um, I it, wish that I could disable it. <laughs> it's very, 
it's it seems very fickle you know like very like minute like oh you either get i think one of them that kept popping up was your population booms by 20 percent, but loyalty falls by five points uh per whatever and yeah. and then there was the opposite your loyalty goes up by five but your population you know uh drops. slows or drops yeah. or something and you know it's it just and you can choose a target and like i don't know both of those sound interesting depending on the person you're targeting so maybe it just felt like it but wasn't but then it's, it's like I, and maybe i'm not paying attention enough to the civilizations in my game and you mm-hmm. know like who's upset with who and who's you know declaring war on what because i definitely don't know who to target or who not to target in those scenarios so it just ends i usually just end up picking what i think would be the good one picking myself and then it's like oh no one else picked me shocker okay moving on 30 mm-hmm. turns from now i have to do this again i roll <laughs> yeah and the late game for civilizations when i'm playing a, i think a 500 turn game and i'm on like two or 300 250 300 somewhere in between there does the game slow down the further you get so i'm like in the yeah. 1800s so is it like by it the... goes from like at first it advances by like 100 years at a time and then mm-hmm. it's like 50 years and then it's like 25 years and then 10 and then five and then one eventually yeah. but like isn't it the year 2000 where it goes for f- the, the last 50 turns starts in the year 2000 am I, or am i mistaken uh that's the way it used to be i'm not sure if uh six follows the same or not like I say, I keep starting new worlds and new mm. civilizations and stuff and playing through the ancient era over and over and over again. So, <laughs> Yeah, I might look at some reviews for this, uh, the scenarios because, you know, the, the spring sale is going to be popping up for Steam soon. And I remember for Civ Five, like, yep, buy all DLC. I'll get around to this at some point. Never did. So I think, <laughs> I think I'm going to look at the reviews for the scenarios for Civ Six and, and kind of see if any of them pop well, out Well, like I said, the, the um, World War One and the Black Plague were both included in Gathering Storm. They're yeah. not separate. So Those sound really um, cool, though. Like World yeah. War One and Black uh, Black Plague. Are, and you have to pick specific civilizations, obviously, for World War One. but same with Black Plague. you got to pick from one of Six that would have been impacted. So. Yeah, I think that's the way that the uh, scenarios usually work is that they make you play certain uh, civilizations that that event would have impacted. Ooh, what if they did a, what if they did a, a, let's do the Canadian scenario. What if it was a hockey tournament Mm. (laughs) and they gave everybody, they gave everybody hockey rings, but then they could kind of expand a bit on it. And it's like the world cup or something. I don't know. Wait, that's soccer. They could do a soccer one. The Stanley cup. No, the Stanley cups like America, (laughs) Canada, like teams i'm thinking like what do they call it at the uh, i guess the olympics <laughs> the olympic game but it's not the olympics it's it's just hockey i don't know <laughs> sports <laughs> yeah ryan does sports <laughs> on that note i wanted to remind everybody that if you like the show you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in we're looking for a patron to highlight in march so if you like what you do and you'd like to hear your name on the show please do go over to patreon.com slash the gamers in Uh, That brings us to our news this week. We're doing some odds and ends. So if you guys like Pokemon Go, do you know what's the only thing that's better than Pokemon Go? Pokemon Go that's Harry Potter. (laughs) I figured you'd be all over this. I am so stoked. (laughs) Yeah. So this evidently had been announced uh, last year as a a game. I, I remember vaguely hearing about this, how this was a thing that they were working on. Hmm. But... Um, 
it's so this is like the official announcement. It's got a name, so it's called Harry Potter Wizards Unite, and it's from the same company that made Pokemon Go Niantic. So it is basically using their same like base map tech, but instead of Pokemons, you are looking for uh, traces of magic in the world around you. So yes, please. Yeah, it looks uh, it looks like it's gonna have like more like. Have, like player interactions as opposed to like with Pokemon you're you're interacting with with these Pokemon but like there's more uh examples of seeing characters in games so there's like a, a gif here playing with you know Ron and you can cast a spell on a spider tarantula thing and you yeah, put roller skates save on Ron and yeah <laughs> it's uh it looks interesting i i wonder like yeah Harry Potter's huge and this game seems like a no brainer i would almost imagine they already had one of these uh like an ar game for harry potter but this is this is the first one then i guess Mm -hmm. Hmm. i i guess so i haven't heard of one before so yeah use your wand which is like where your pokeball would be if you were playing pokemon go so that's where your wand is and then you use your wand to cast different spells depending on what it is that you find in the environment around you so i think it sounds really cool yeah, but well, I'm also a giant Harry Potter dork, so it looks really cool. I think the the every example of the graphics they're showing is using the AR camera, and and it honestly looks really good. And whoever's playing is standing very very still, uh, in the sense that there's no movement of the camera. It's just the yeah. the on screen characters. But yeah, I think it looks great, and I'm interested to see what what they build around it as opposed because so basically like there's this great calamity or whatever and you have to find the magic as you were saying and i wonder what else they'll have in the game like if you're just looking for traces of magic is there other stuff like are you capturing beasts or are you just you just like taking care of magic that's leaked into the muggle world like mm-hmm. we don't know a whole yeah, lot about how much it just of this yet. is actually going to be like a collection yeah because that's my big thing about pokemon go and, and a lot of the ar games that do really well is you're collecting things and it requires a basis you know and i think i thought there was like an uh, like a collecting real world game for fantastic beasts it seems like something that they there might have been i've got to like i liked harry potter a lot mm-hmm. um the books more so than the movies but still um the fantastic beasts are eh, eh. yeah i don't i don't i don't i've only seen the first one and yeah I yeah but uh you know this this clearly is pulling from from the movie like the original movie oh yeah this is like series. this is ron and harry when they're kids for sure yeah i i don't know i think it looks great i'm looking forward to seeing what they can add to it i think if you look at what Pokemon could offer and you look at what Harry Potter could offer, I think there's a lot more uniqueness for that's available in the Harry Potter universe in the sense that you can you can really do a lot of fun stuff because you're not you're limited by basically J.K. Rowling's imagination. Like it's it's wizards and magic as opposed to uh, throwing you know colored balls at rodents, right? So th- mm-hmm. this looks like it could be. it's the next big thing i mean it's pretty much that's what it is like this is gonna this is gonna do gangbusters yeah i think so i'm super looking forward to it i'm gonna have to try really really hard not to actually um spend money on this (laughs) (laughs) well you gotta like upgrade to the ultra rare Uh, you know know, phoenix down wand (laughs) 
I was going to say, be able to pick your wand specifically after your favorite character or design okay. your own wand or so. Oh, yeah. All those things are things that would totally get, get me. Like a, get like a, you know, yeah. Voldemort nose slits for your character. So that'll Buy be... a unicorn mm -hmm. to be your companion. Yeah, all of these things are things that I would pay money for. I am definitely the target audience <laughs> for this, and I really hope that Matt's not listening right now. Cause... Well, look forward <laughs> to a Harry Potter uh, Wizards Unite fan cast coming to TGI yeah, Presents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. So that was kind of like the Jocelyn piece of news mm -hmm. for the week, but this next piece is like the Ryan piece of news. So why don't you tell us all about the Master Chief Collection? So this is an interesting one and kind of caught me off guard because honestly, I'm a, I'm a big Halo fan, but I've played all the Halos. I have them all. Uh, but that being said, the Halo Master Chief Collection is coming to PC in the near future. And it's also, then that's not all you'd think, like, oh, great, it's coming to the Windows Store. I know people who wouldn't care what game it is, but if it's coming to the Windows Store, they, if it, even if it's their favorite game, they would not touch it. But it's actually mm -hmm. coming to Steam as well. And there is a Steam Store page up, almost as if they said, no, really, it's coming to Steam. Here's the store page uh, before we even add it to the Windows Store. So this is kind of... You'd think like, oh, well, Microsoft's been adding their games from Xbox One over to the PC constantly, you know, Sea of Thieves, Crackdown 3, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But Halo's been that franchise that has always been kind of like never around the PC. You had Halo 1 and 2, basically, versions of those games launch on PC at some point. But outside of that, the franchise has been solely a console game, and... That's where this is interesting because they're bringing this Master Chief Collection, which is Halo 1, 2, 3, ODST, 4, and now uh, Reach as well they're adding. So the entire collection from 360 backwards is coming to the PC in a, in a sort of staggered approach. Um, so they're not dropping all these games on PC at once. They're starting with Reach. And then moving Which is good because there. no one should play Halo back to back to back to back. <laughs> right. Who would do such a thing? That <laughs> seems like a silly that? idea. Whoever came up with that idea is definitely barred from coming up with similar ideas for at least <laughs> six years. So by that logic, we should we should probably come up with a new one. It's been six years. Um, but yeah, I think that this is kind of one of those things where the this is this is the final bridge for Microsoft bridging the the Xbox One and the PC because the, the Halo franchise has been that last holdout of people kind of looking at Microsoft and saying, well, they still, they still have something exclusive to their consoles. They're still holding a franchise sort of hostage on, on our little, you know, family room, you know, video game box. And I think a lot of folks that don't want to buy a console see this as a, a huge victory, uh, mm -hmm. having Halo come to PC and I'm I'm cautiously optimistic to see how it does and I'm really looking forward to playing a Halo game on a computer again. It's been like I haven't played with mouse and keyboard since Halo 2 and that's like gosh 15 years ago, so it's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, I think this is really good. It's not uh, I think surprising mm -hmm. when it comes to news at least for me just because I I feel like over time Microsoft is going to move their first party stuff more and more and more from the consoles over to PC. Like there isn't really all that much left. Even most of Fable, mm -hmm. I think not three, 
but I think Fable and Fable 2 have been available on Steam for a while. But it just, it seems like where they're doing this whole, like, tying your living room to your PC thing with your Xbox, whatever it's called, I can't even remember what the, what the, knit, play, is it play it, play anywhere, play everywhere? Play, play anywhere. Yeah, like, with that whole marketing thing that they're trying to do, then I, I can see them just, you know, whatever is available on Xbox consoles be available on pc too i think and they're that's, just yeah. this is part of just moving more towards that vision yeah oh yeah i think th- this is going to be microsoft's you know forward momentum they're going to keep going down this path uh i don't see them getting rid of their you know console boxes but i think this this will actually th- they're hoping that this will be beneficial to their business in the sense that you can buy you know, not a lot of folks a lot of people remind us of this you know every couple months like not a lot of people have high-end pcs i went through a, a computer that's you know having hardware issues now and it's like yeah like trying to troubleshoot looking at buying a new computer you're looking at two grand easy uh, here in canada to have a computer that can play most modern games um on on decent settings you can go out and buy an xbox one x or a ps4 pro for 500 bucks which is less yeah. than the cost of a graphics card here so mm-hmm. you have to weigh those options but Having the option to play this on PC is certainly welcome, and Reach was the final holdout in terms of the Xbox 360 Halo games, and that's going to be coming to the Master Chief Collection first on PC as well as the Xbox One, and it's a the multiplayer is being added for free, but the campaign is a premium content download, but is available to you if you have Game Pass. So... <laughs> If you have Game Pass, you get it, but you could buy it to own it. I don't know how much it is, but I remember ODST was five bucks. So I'm sure it's more than five bucks. But if you have Game Pass, it's, you have it's really confusing. That's the other problem yeah. with games as a service. It's you need a chart. Yeah, it's becoming very very hard to tell exactly how much money everything is going to cost. But I think that's uh, something the companies are almost doing on purpose at this point. <laughs> They're trying <laughs> to trick you. Yeah, how much can we confuse consumers and get them to pay money that they don't actually have to pay or more money than they should? But anyways, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's half the fun of being a consumer, Jocelyn. Charts and tables and staggering release dates. Come on. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight. If you guys want to join in the conversation, Ryan and I are over in the TGI Discord pretty much all the time. You can head to bit.ly slash TGI Discord to join the conversation with all the rest of the TGI fans over there. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed live on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact over on Twitch. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you're playing right now, you can do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.